Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Kick it open for us, Joe. Okay, that was recorded. That's awesome. Welcome to the PO Podcast. I am Joe. I am Adam. And this week we're going to discuss a 2009 movie from uh, the director Duncan Jones called Moon. Starring Sam Rockwell and some other people. You know, I could have swore you told me Sam Rockwell was in Warcraft. No. I said Duncan Jones was uh, the director. Okay, so I'm like, so I'm like watching this. I'm like, this guy was not in Warcraft. <laughs> I don't like, think there's I don't, any I don't through lines. Seeing, I don't remember seeing Justin Hammer and right. anything. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Well, but before we get to Moon, before we moon each other, um, how about we just give some recommendations That's for stuff wrong. we've been doing this week? Cool, why don't you start us off this time? Because... I'll start us off? Okay. Uh, I finished Norm MacDonald's book, Based on a True Story. And I think that it is a work of art. It is a piece of comedic genius. And I think Norm might be the funniest person on the face of the planet at this point wow. in time. Huh. Wow. So that's... I might be overselling it a little bit. Good job, Norm. <laughs> but he even ends the book... On a joke, making fun of the entire book. Oh, it's, cool. Dude, it's brilliant. It's making fun of memoirs. It's making fun of comedians. It's making fun of uh, true stories. Uh, playing with the truth. It is just brilliant. I loved it. And then the other thing I want to recommend for this week is Moon. This movie. Uh, not a whole lot of people saw it. Or would I'd probably want... Heard- I mean, I've never heard of it until you told me about it. Right. You know, small movie, 2009, budget of five million bucks, you know, tiny movie. And it only grossed 10 million at the box office. I mean, not a lot of people saw it, and I highly recommend this movie. Tell you what, you wouldn't, like, suspect that this was as low as it was considering the names that are in it. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, Kevin Spacey. Sure. Um, Sam Rockwell. Well, it's always kind of nice, like when you see like big names doing like unheard of things, because it to me it doesn't it makes them seem not as pretentious as you think actors are. Well, sure, <laughs> a lot of these actors don't need money, right? You know, it's like they'll do one for them, one for me. This is a project they probably looked at. It's like, oh, Duncan Jones. Um, I'll do this movie for a song, you know, fifty grand or whatever. I'll go work for probably got four weeks of filming or something. Not a whole lot. This one location. Right. You know, and a lot of that $5 million probably went into the special effects. They, uh, right. You know, so. Yeah. Kevin Spacey, he's got enough money from House of Cards, I'm sure, to last him for a long time. That dude got range, man. Yeah, absolutely. That guy can do anything. And Sam Rockwell, too. 
Yeah, I mean, they do both do, but yeah, Kevin Spacey, ever since The Negotiator came out years and years and years ago, I've really liked following him and watching him. He's one of my faves. So, before we get into the movie, let's uh, <laughs> let's hear what your recommendations are, bud. Well, was that your only recommendation? Yeah, well, the Norm book and then Moon. Right, alright. So, my recommendation is... Uh, Twofold. Um, if you don't want to see something, do not see Alice Through the Looking Glass. If you do want to see something, <laughs> go see Alice Through the Looking Glass. Um, and I say it for one, I didn't care for it. I didn't like it, but my kids were like, did, wow. My kids were like tranced to buy it, dude. Did you like the first one? Yeah. The first one was all right. It was okay. Well, that's not a really ringing endorsement. So looking at the first one going, okay, it was okay, and it's been this many years since they made the sequel... Were you expecting it to be good? I was expecting it to be enjoyable. I was expecting to sit down and everybody... Like, a successful movie for us is everybody in the family liking it. That's a win for me. Um, gotcha. Nobody feels like they have to, like, muscle through it. And, like, the whole film, <laughs> I was like... I was like, I couldn't get to Independence Day, like, resurgence. Oh, my gosh, it's bad. Right? But I couldn't wait to get to it. And I'm just like, ah, oh, can this movie never end? So, that's my recommendation. Um, if you enjoyed the first one, you'll like the second one. You know what I mean? Um, if you don't like the first one, you will not like the second one. So, uh, yeah. but I don't know. You yet have to see it. It'll be nice to see what you say. So that um, is my I probably will never watch it, buddy. And another thing, I just recommend this. I know we've talked about it a couple of times. I never recommended it per se in its own little, you know, little slot TV series. Um, Fortune and Fire. Watch it. It's so cool, man. What is it? Forged in Fire, History Channel. Oh, okay. Uh, it's, I, I told you about it. They forge. They make knives and swords and right. weapons and stuff. Awesome. And you get to learn a lot about metallurgy and stuff. It, it's just kind of it's entertaining and it's knowledgeable. If you like to show chop for food, uh, you'll like the Forge in Fire for metal. Oh, is it like a contest? Yeah. It's exactly okay, cool. It yeah, they uh, oversight real quick. Four people go to a forge provided by Forge and Fire show. Um, they all battle out first round. They knock one person out. The second round, another person gets knocked out. Then they say the two winners, they send them home for a week to forge what is a big blade or like the series blade for the week. Could be a katana. Then they have five days to forge and they come back and they put their 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 uh, their things to the test. It's really cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Try it out. Anyway, there you go. Um, I like the show, like the internet show Man at Arms. You already gave your recommendations. Where they build, uh, <laughs> nerd. They build like, uh, you know, Cloud Strife's sword from Final Fantasy VII. They build, right. you know, they built a Darth Vader samurai helmet. Cool. You know, stuff like that. They built That's Shredder's cool. helmet. Yeah. You yeah, know. I like uh, the next time we. I like the art, the the artsy stuff. I do if it's kind of entertaining and practical. Don't get me wrong, I don't like somebody putting a Campbell soup can on a counter and be like, oh, look at it, it's art. Okay, whatever. Well, this is something people built with their own two hands. It's kind of rare nowadays. It's a skill. It really is, because more and more you see people that don't do things, or uh, it's rare to come across somebody that has a talent that can actually be performed by hands or forging or making. But anyway, so there you go. There's the recommendations. Yeah, the, the jobs that exist out there that don't have an apprenticeship program is, uh, you know, if stuff like that, something you can't learn doing from a book. You know what I'm saying? Something where someone has to teach you how to how to do it. 
like show you yeah. and teach you their tricks and all of their wealth of knowledge stuff like that when that surf starts going away i think that's gonna we're gonna be in big trouble Right. Well, that's why people like Mike Rowe are such a big deal right now because he's pushing for those kinds of things, you know. And we have a society that pushed towards, oh, just go get a degree. you got people like Mike Rowe that are like, oh, invest in a skill or a trade because we need them, like, desperately, right? Right. Anyway, so. Yeah. Um. So, forged in fire. Mm-hmm. And don't or do or whatever watch uh, Allison <laughs> through the looking glass. Yeah, take it for what you want. Kind of told you I didn't really care for it. Kids loved it though. So if nothing else, it was great. My kids got to watch it. So. Now, did Tim Burton direct the second one? I don't even know. I I don't know. I have no clue to be honest. I don't think he did. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't, just because it didn't have that kind of Tim Burton feel that I like. Or maybe if he did, it was just too, um, I don't know, yeah. He didn't. Yeah, I'm not surprised, so. Maybe he had some hands in it somewhere along the way, but everything was just different, dude. Watch it, let me know what you think. Well, he was doing uh, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children or whatever, so. That looks awesome. He did that one. Yeah. So, I don't, yeah. I didn't think there was a way he could have done two huge movies like that this year. Yeah. And it even seems like me, even like Johnny Depp, then it did it so-so, you know? It's like he just kind of fell back onto what he did before, and that's not like him. Well, he may be a raging alcoholic, as it turns out, so there might be other stuff going on with him that's affecting his acting performances. Um, I don't know if it's true or not. Did you hear that he never watches his own films? Could be. I don't know. I heard he never watches his own films ever. Like, he's never seen an own film. Which is kind of weird. Like, I, I would be too curious. <laughs> too too bad we have to watch some of them. Ooh. I'm looking at you, Pirates 4. They got another one coming out. Or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Did you see that? Yeah, I know. I know. Whatever. Not excited. They have more Transformers movies coming out, too, but whatever. Uh, hey, that's always fun. That's just fun. I stopped giving up on those being, like, masterpieces. Um, I just enjoy them. Uh, I gave up on them being at all watchable after the third uh-huh. one. So Yeah, that's harsh. They're not watchable, dude. They're horrible. Well, if Michael Bay did listen to our podcast, he doesn't know. Well, Thanks, I'm not Joe. saying that he does a bad job. I think he should be the special effects director on almost every movie. But as far as, like, a cohesive storyline and people you care about in your movie, how do you, can you put Mark Wahlberg in your movie and you don't care about him at all? I don't know. Cool. I didn't care about his character at all. Anyways. <laughs> Off to the real things. You want to talk about some Moon? Let's do it. All right. Moon 2009. Actually, it takes place in 2035. I don't know if they ever explicitly stated the, the year. I don't know. I don't remember seeing anything like it. So There's a little preamble before, you know, at the beginning of the movie during the credits where they talk about, you know, uh, they've got alternative fuel coming from the moon rocks. From E-Lunar or something like that. Uh, Lunar Industries has made a fortune. Um, and they're getting this alternative fuel, helium-3, from moon rocks. And they've got these harvesters up there. And they've got a person up there you, who monitors the harvesters. Do you notice the name of the harvesters? I did not. 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah, I thought it was pretty neat. They're the uh, apostles <laughs> uh, uh, of the moon. Um, so up there, they've got this station that monitors all the harvesters, and uh, it's being overseen by a dude and a artificial intelligence named Gertie. And the dude's name is, I believe it's Sam Bell, right? Yeah, Sam Bell, which had to be super convenient for filming purposes. Sam. Sure. Let's call him Sam. <clears throat> uh, played by Sam Rockwell. Yes. So, uh, they start immediately feeding you the information you're going to need later. Um, that there's no communications, got to fix it, blah, 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 blah. And uh, I don't know how to exactly put it without spoiling it immediately, but they don't want Sam to communicate with Earth because no one knows Sam exists. And know what's crazy is the fact that Sam is on a three-year stint, right? Mm-hmm. He signs a contract. At the end of three years, he gets to go home. And the whole he's two weeks from going home, right? Right. And the communications is down the whole three years he's there. Sure. You know how crazy that would be? I mean, literally just recording what you want to say and getting recordings back. Right. Wow. And his recordings Um, are going into the garbage can. Right. And so you look at that alone, and he does a really great job playing somebody who has literally been isolated for three years. Because I don't believe people would go instantly insane all the time. But I think it would take a big hit to you, who you are, your persona, your character, whatever. Well, he's got Gertie. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying still. But And he's got I his messages. What, exactly. He doesn't break down, which is awesome. But what they did with him is they had him on like a a plateau, right? Like there is a spot once you stop interacting with people and in normal interaction, you plateau to this monotoned or this kind of just self-regulated kind of person. And they did great with that. And we also see, too, later in the movie where the breakdown does happen, um, when he does have somebody there he can talk to, he actually admits it that I'm just really, really lonely. Right, right. So I think he did phenomenal. I mean, just to speak. But anyways. So So we've got got Sam. Um, He's going about his daily life, building or carving out his little models of his hometown. Right, yeah. talking to Gertie. Um, I think Gertie was pretty awesomely designed in that they it wasn't like a human face. Yeah, it was emoji. It had little emoji cons on a tiny little screen, and it was this big blocky robot. You know, yeah. voiced by Kevin Spacey, who did it. You know, yes, it was great. It was very much that just that calm, monotone voice that they also used for the robots in Interstellar. Yeah, you know, there's pretty much the same thing, mm. um, which I really enjoyed. So uh, you see Sam Bell, and he's starting to like. Uh, he looks tired, right? He doesn't look well, and he starts yeah, to it definitely looks like he's ready to go home. And he's he's starting to see things, and he's not, you know, he just it seems like he's breaking down a little bit. So he's out. Um, he has to leave the base and go fix one of the harvesters. And while he's out there, he has some sort of like hallucination, right? Yes. And he uh, he crashes his lunar rover into the harvester, and it, 
he's got to put his helmet back on and he falls unconscious. Next thing you see is Sam wakes up in the infirmary and he doesn't have any memory of the accident. And Gertie's telling him, you know, just you have to lay in bed for a couple more days. And and immediately, immediately at that point, if you didn't already think it by now, you're like, all right, something's up. Right. Well, he thought it was weird. Like, how how would he exactly. get back to the base? Gertie's right. attached. He's not like a robot that walks around. Gertie's attached to things. He's like attached via a pole to the ceiling and he has to go along track. So who right. would have brought Sam back? Exactly. And that, at that point, you're kind of like, all right. Yeah. So that was, it was a good turn. It wasn't like a cheesy, like, oh, okay, awesome. It was a turn like, uh, um, you're sitting there and you're like, okay, now it has my attention. Like sure. before, um, uh, it's not like, what was that? Buried alive, right? Buried alive. Yeah. I don't know if you saw it. Th- that didn't get my attention at any point in time. You knew exactly what it was and you're like, all right, you know, um, you can only do so much with one actor in a film, right? Right. I am and legend. That, exactly. So I'm I'm sitting there, and the second they happened, it got my attention. It was enjoyable up to that point. It was okay. You know what I mean? Um, I, think... I was like, yeah. But at that point, you're like, all right. It it, it kind of – I could have went either or way. I could have been like, mm, okay, this film is okay. Or it could have grabbed my attention. I could have dove in more, and it did that. At well, that let me – uh give you my thesis as to why I think it works so well is because they're not hiding it. Yeah. At no point yeah. do they hide the mystery. Right. It's it's all been laid out there. Right? Right. And then they yeah. lay they lay it flat in your face right here. And yeah, the other thing I... is too is it's not a mystery to Sam. He understands what's going on immediately. It's not weird to him, which tells you that like spoiler, he's a clone and clones exist and it's not you know what I mean? In right. the world that they live in, it's not odd. Yeah. Yeah, there's no, like, where are the people? And once again, that breakdown, that, like, I refuse to accept it. It's not that he doesn't refuse to accept it. He he doesn't want it's He's weird. just wondering think, who's the clone. He hasn't fully embraced it yet. He knows it's a possibility where other people are like, no, absolutely not. But you can tell. But anyway, so. Right, look at uh, Arnold's movie, The Sixth Day. I was going to mention that. I he doesn't know if he's do. the clone. He doesn't know who's the clone. And, you know, it's like a existential crisis for him. But And I even when I watched that, I got hints of the sixth day out of it, to be honest with you. I'm like, man, maybe we should we should contrast this against another clone-like movie. And I thought sixth day. I mean, there's not a lot of them. So, I mean, it's easy to kind of go to the sixth day. But I wonder if anybody from this film was in any way... I doubt it. Associated with the sixth day, but and if they were, they probably wouldn't want to admit it. <laughs> that movie didn't do well. <laughs> well, it didn't do well, but it was during that whole hot topic of uh, cloning. Oh yeah, Dolly and stuff like that. So it was relevant to us because that was a big deal. Everybody was talking about cloning for a good year and a half. Oh sure, you know. Sorry, go ahead. But on to this. Uh, Sam wakes up in the infirmary. Gertie's telling him, you know, you got to rest for a little while. Um, but he's suspicious of the whole thing. Uh, Gertie says that there's going to be a rescue team that's going to come take care of the, oh. the, the harvester. Can you hear me? Yep. Oh, you cut out for like 15 seconds. Oh, perfect. Hopefully right. that, that, it, whatever. <laughs> Sorry. So, uh, there's a rescue team coming to take care of the crash harvester and, uh, but 
Sam's like uh, too intrigued as to what's going around going on. So he uh, fakes a gas leak and tricks Gertie into letting him go outside. And at that time, he goes to the crashed harvester and he sees that there's a lunar rover stuck underneath the harvester. Gets in there and sees that there's a person in there. Grabs the person out. Brings them back to the base. And what do you know? It's Sam Bell. Dun, dun, dun. And he's like confused at first. He's like, who is that? Who is that? And uh, they're both wondering if they're clones, you know? Am I the clone? Is he the clone? Yeah. And uh, they get into a, an actual fight, you know, which isn't much of a fight because uh, the older version of Sam is... It seems that these clones don't... Um, they have like a shelf life of about three years. About three years, yeah. And then they get into their escape pod and uh, they go, quote-unquote, home, right? Right. Which is actually just a giant incinerator and then Gertie vacuums out their guts... And wakes up another clone. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so the older Sam's shelf life is almost done. So young Sam, newer Sam, is in better physical shape. Which they take a little montage to show you that he's running on the treadmill and he's boxing. And, you know, he's got pep in his step. And the other Sam's in a blanket with glasses on the end of his nose. Looks like he's about ready to die. Yeah. He is dying. Yeah, for sure. Well, he's melting, more like. He's breaking, he's breaking down piece by piece. Oh, yeah. And uh, so they get into their little argument, and they they tell Gertie to tell him what's going on, and Gertie says that they're both clones of the original Sam Bell. And uh, Gertie had to activate the new clone after the rover crash because they can't have you know, a gap in service, you know? So Gertie just wrote off the other Sam anyways, and... Said he just he's dead, so whatever. Right. Um, so the two Sams put their heads together and they try to find a secret room to where where are they keeping all the Sams, right? Yeah. And they uh they eventually near the uh incinerator escape pod thing, they find uh, a hatch, they go down into the basement, and then there's hundreds of hibernating Sam Bells. Hundreds. Hundreds, a lot, yeah. But the other really smart thing I think this movie does is that it kind of shows you that there's only, that the newest Sam Bell's only the fifth one. Right. So they haven't been getting away with this for long. Right. So about 15 years, you'd say? Yeah, somewhere around that, because, I mean, he does, he's, he, he kind of figures that all out. I mean, there was a baby, or at least a yeah. two, three-year-old, and then later when he calls. So about 12 years they've been getting away with this. Sure, some, 12, 15, somewhere around well, there. you got to remember, you got the original Sam was there. Then right. they took off from there, and only two, three had been awakened. And they woke up the fifth one. So right. it's right on par for 12 years. Well, yeah, there's been how many clones? There's, well... There's been three clones. I think, I think it's 15 because there's there's been five drawers opened. Four. They opened the. Fourth. They opened the fifth one. Because if you look at the the thing, there's they're all blue lights, and right. then the, the red ones I would assume are the empty ones. I thought the white ones were the empty ones. They were just a big white empty. But all right, never mind. So I think they've woken up the fifth clone, which would mean you're right. It's either twelve or fifteen years. 
Yeah, well, I think I would, fifteen since the, since the uh, the base the, opened. I think the original, the one that made the the first set of sculptures, because the the the, the previous the the uh, the current Sam doesn't remember doing all of them. So the, right. we know there's at least one there. So there's two. The one that was just woken up with the pep in the step. That's the third one, and they woke up the fourth one, which would give us twelve years because that little girl was like three, two or three. When she did the verse video, when he calls her, she's fifteen. That's twelve. I, yeah, years. she could be like eighteen ish, somewhere on there. I think that. Well, she said she's fifteen. In the film. Oh, did she? Yes. Oh, okay. How old are you? Fifteen. Oh, it says here in the uh, on Wikipedia she's fifteen. So. Yeah. Um. So they want to uh, the Sams find the the clones. Now they want to make a call. They want to figure out why. Uh, they can't call out, and they they went and searched in rovers, and they found that there's these jammers located around the base, so that they can't send calls out. So they make a plan to figure out a way to shut those down, and I think the older Sam just says screw it, and he just goes beyond it far enough to where the jammer can't block his signal anymore, and he makes a call to his house, mm-hmm. and he uh, he covers up the camera so that. The girl can't see him, and he's talking to a girl named Eve, who is his daughter, and she's now 15, as we just talked about, and she says that her mom died years ago, and right. uh, but before he hangs up with her and, you know, whatever, he hears actual Sam Bell talking in the background. Right. So, actual Sam Bell lived, and he's at home, and he got to spend his life with his family, who it seemed at the time, via the flashbacks and via the programming that they gave the uh, clones and through the calls that you're able to see that uh, Sam and Tessa's marriage wasn't going too, too well. Right. right. It's kind of nice to see that it wasn't just a fabrication, though. That they actually pulled, of course, they had to pull some Sam from the clones from somewhere. And then they also pulled and they kept with that consistency of, all right. Let's give these guys a family, and let's just make it the original family, and do the. Uh, so maybe at one time, maybe the comms were down for a long time, you know, and they just keep replaying from when the original Sam was there. They keep just replaying all those messages sent during the original mission. Sure. So, well, I don't think original. I think maybe those jammers were there the whole time, and even original Sam couldn't call home. They just didn't mm-hmm. want. They didn't want any of that to be available. It seems yeah, like I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, maybe, uh, oh, maybe that could be. And, you know, the other cool thing is, too, is Gertie's primary function is to help Sam that's in his programming. And he's not like an artificial intelligence. And, uh. He has to be. He has to be somewhat uh, artificial intelligence because he couldn't be reasoned with otherwise. Right, but he's not, like, um, nefarious. He still has to follow his programming. Right, so, I mean,. And I told you there'd be a lot for us to talk about. And that's one of the things that... There are a lot of things in this film. Well, I liked it. I enjoyed it. And I'll give it a pretty decent score towards the end here. But there are a lot of things I'm just like, man, a lot of consistency gaps going on. Um, tons. But for me. But Okay. We'll, just go, we'll get to that point. So, so okay. anyways, they, they found the clones. Um, they now know that they're both clones because Gertie told them and it's been confirmed by the fact that Sam is back home <laughs> right um 
do, do, do. They, uh, older Sam watched some video. Is it the older one or the younger? I think it's the older one. Watched all the videos from the previous Sams. So, no, there's been many Sams, actually. <laughs> if anybody isn't thoroughly confused yet, go watch it. And uh, that's part of, Gertie had to help him. Gertie actually put in the override password so he could watch the last calls of the last few Sams. That's why I think that he's the fourth out of five clones. He, he put in the password so he could see all the recorded data. Right. And that's why we get the view of the incinerator machine and being sucked out. Right. You know? Well, and you get to see that every Sam was sick. Right, right. So, yeah, I think I was right the first time when I said that the, the first Sam, the one that gets into the crash, he's the fifth clone. Mm, negatory. Well, if you look at the videos of all the ones he watched, there was more than just him. There was four other ones. No, I think some of those are reruns. He reran them, didn't he? No, because they're all different. One's got, one guy's got a beard. One guy's got long hair, you know. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So, yeah, I think that's how that worked. Then, yeah, then something must have gone wrong because they can't be on three-year stints if the daughter's only 15 by that time. Um, if he's the fifth well, clone, three years. The 15. daughter was born while he was in space. Correct. So she wasn't even three by the time Sam got home. Right. So she would have been two or she would have been two or three in that video. No, you never know. You'd never know at all because that might have been like the last video right before he went home. Because remember, but... some of the first videos were of them saying, "I don't even know if we should be together." or something. That's fine, even if it is okay. Even if she's one. And oh no, I five. guess I guess I guess the oldest she could have been was two. Exactly. Or the youngest she could have been was two. Two or because... three. Two or three at the most. So, I mean, because you're talking fifth clone, that's 15 years. And if she's two or three, she would have been 17. Unless they just well, made a mistake in how old the daughter was. Or a lot of these things aren't. Some aren't of the clones didn't last three years. That too, but I don't know. So some of them could have broke down faster. Could have. Maybe the first couple only lasted a year. And maybe they jacked up, and the daughter should have been eighteen. Perhaps. You know, maybe they just didn't get the number right. Well, you know, we don't know everything about the story, but we well, know that he's he's. There's been a, quite a few clones before him that all met the same grisly demise of falling apart like a leper. Yeah. Right. Oh, here we go. Right here in the story. Uh, the younger clone orders Gertie to revive a seventh clone. So there it is. The initial Sam is the fifth. Wow. New Sam is the sixth, and they revive the seventh. Then either they're not on a three-year contract always, or they jacked with the daughter's age. Yeah, well, their three-year contract, I think, is the maximum, right? Yeah. I think, like you said, it has to be three years, or they just break down. <clears throat> but you know some of them might have died sooner. Right, very possibly. We don't have that stuff, so uh, yeah, I guess we can make all the assumptions we want. Sure. But, they didn't like exactly said, break their own rules. Exactly. We, we just might not have all the information, which is right. fine. And that's, and that's one of the issues of that I said there's a lot of consistency gaps in this, and that just kind of confirms my suspicions in some of them. But anyways, go ahead. Well, they're not, they might not be gaps. They just might not be... We're just not given all the information. So you can't automatically discount the movie as having consistency gaps if just just they didn't tell you. Yeah, um, but we'll get to it. That's cool. Yeah, I understand with this area. Yeah, but all right. So, um, the rescue team's coming. There's a there's a, a countdown on the wall. They know that these people are coming and that they're going to kill 
the new Sam and old Sam if they're found. Yep. So the newer Sam suggests sending the other to Earth in the Helium-3 transport. We saw that go at the very beginning of the movie. He puts the canisters in, and they shoot it out to Earth. Yes. Uh, but the older Sam, because his health is uh, bad and he knows he's about to die, uh, says that the younger Sam should go instead. Yeah, and that way it looks as business as usual. Yep, and so they they make that plan. They've got brand new Sam revi- or waking up in the infirmary. You've got new Sam getting into the Helium-3 catapult or uh, transport, and you got older Sam. He goes back out to the lunar rover crash to just die out there so that the team doesn't suspect anything. That's all part of their plan. Um, what What's never really, I guess it's inferred, is that uh, younger Sam is kind of pissed. He's kind of angry that this is how they've been treated. Right. You know, and it's never really, uh, they never really discussed what their plan's going to be, probably because they didn't have to. They're both the same man. But he's going <clears> to <throat> go to Earth, and he's going to stop, pretty much stop this from happening. And there's hundreds of other Sam Bells just sleeping. And they're going to live three years and then get incinerated and sucked into a vacuum. And it calls into question the thought of, uh, you know, what exactly is existence? And yeah. is it fair to do this to people? And also, would, if you were the middle Sam, who's still got three years at least of life ahead of him, would you be happy in knowing that you are at home and you got to live with your family, even though that, you know, you're a clone? Right. You know, so... There's lots of existential questions to talk about, but... Oh, there's tons. I mean, you could even expand it to corporations if you wanted to. You know what I mean? Um, what's ethical, what's not. Right. Um, you could spread it to... Even the thing, even if he does make a home, what's he got? Three years? Yeah. Well, you it's know. enough to stop it from ever happening, because... Well, anyways, let's just finish the movie. So the guy gets into the thing, the Helium-3 transport, and gets shot to Earth... Um, older Sam goes and dies at the crash. The rescue team walks in, and uh, they don't really suspect anything. Uh, but before younger middle Sam uh, decides to get into the thing and jet, he he uh, has the locations of all the jammers that they found out there. Remember, right. they were marking the locations. Right. Yeah. And he he, them out. he programs those into the rovers. To go run them all down so that communications will be open for the newest Sam. And he'll be able to hear everything that's going on from Earth because he's about to go start some crap. And uh, the transport shoots off carrying younger Sam to Earth. And as that's going, uh, the credits are starting to come up. And there's there's voiceovers during the credits talking about how uh, Sam's testimony in, in the court against the Lunar uh, Industries company it has stirred up some like controversy and that these unethical practices are uh, causing the company to go out of business. So he did go back. He did. He made a difference. It wasn't all in vain. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, I don't know. Uh, and maybe this is where you can point to a certain spot in the movie where I missed it. You're like, he's going home to start some crap. I thought he was just going home just to live a life, you know, to get down, to get back to 
Um, was it somewhere in the movie where it just showed that he was going to go, you know, bring this, you know, topple this uh, company, organization? Well, he knows he's a clone. Right. So I don't think he can go home. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Plus he knows that he's home. That's what I figure while they're talking about Hawaii or somewhere else, going to live somewhere on a beach somewhere in Hawaii or... I think uh, older Sam might have done that. You know, if he wasn't about to die, he might have just went and lived out his life. Because when he was talking to his daughter, he said, that's enough. You know, I've okay, this is enough. I've heard enough. I know that you're alive. I know that I'm there with you. Whatever. I could go live out my life, whatever. But he realizes he's going to die. Meanwhile, younger Sam's just angry. A little more pep in the step, Sam. Yeah. Yeah, he's angry about the whole thing. He's angry that all these Sams are going to wake up and they're going to do the bidding for this company and then they're going to get incinerated and sucked into a vacuum cleaner. And that's Mm -hmm. not life. And right. he knows he's alive, whether he's a clone or not. And so there's right. all these ethical and metaphysical and difficult questions to ask yourself about, you know, maybe perhaps what cloning is. And, you know, there's, you know, obvious uh, religious problems with it about what life is and about the nature of God and all this stuff that you could sit here and talk about. But all we all we know from Sam Bell is that he thinks it's not fair. Right. Hmm. <laughs> yeah it's a good movie yeah it definitely i mean one it is entertaining and it's definitely a movie that gets you on your toes and thinks about whether some of the you know some of those questions some of those um uh what's the word i'm looking for um perplexing questions that we ask ourselves often you know that we look at um but it was. It was. I don't know why. It was entertaining, and it was. We haven't said this enough, I don't think, and I don't think we're just to that point. Maybe we are now. That he did a phenomenal job. Yeah. Uh, he really portrayed each clone, and he portrayed each. Uh, um, I don't know um, viewpoint very well. And I know I said earlier about uh, Kevin Space having depth. I mean, you could definitely see. You know Sam Rockwell's depth in this movie about a bunch of different things. You know, so yeah, Sam Rockwell's the best. And he's pretty good. He's pretty good. I, you know, I know if he's in a movie, it's it's going to be decent. Yeah, uh, he just did a movie last year, this year called Mister Right with Anna Kendrick. Mm-hmm. I liked it a lot. Mm, haven't seen it yet. Uh, you probably haven't even heard of it. <laughs> That's the problem with a lot of these movies he does. He he likes doing small movies, you know. He was, of course, he's Justin Hammer, you know, right. in, the, in the Marvel verse. But he does like a lot of little movies too. Hmm. Cool. So, uh, so we go through all this, you know, home roll credits. Um, can we get to some of the consistency issues now? I don't think there is any, but you, I can. I'll listen to what you have to say. <laughs> yeah, well, that's fine. One of the biggest consist is Gertie himself, and we talked about it, like the consistency issue of Gertie, whether or not ethically, even. I mean, if Gertie can be reasoned with to let him out and let out a protocol, where's Gertie ethically in the treating of all these clones? Not to mention, I know, I know where you're going with it already. Not to mention the connection he makes with Leprosy Sam, right? He okay. doesn't want Sam to get hurt. Gertie is actually somewhat worried 
about the existence of Leprosy Sam because he's like, got to get him to the med bay right away. We got to get him to the, get him to the med bay, put him on the med bay. I mean, we need to help him. We know he needs to get better. So he goes through the trouble. Gertie goes through the trouble of getting what should be the dead Sam to the med bay to get him better. Why? Just to incinerate him again. So they pulled Gertie off as this somewhat AI, I think. I think purposely they tried to make him look like an AI because he's having conversations, rolling conversations with the headquarters back at Earth, right? Right, he, but I don't think Gertie is actual artificial intelligence. I, I, th- I think he's artificial intelligence like Siri is artificial then, intelligence. Then they took him too far because he actually has the coping mechanisms of a person. No, he doesn't. Yeah, he, he, you, if you If you look at what he does and all the things that Gertie does in the movie he he says what he's doing i have to help you the fact that he can be reasoned with at all no he can't he wasn't reasoned with when sam was trying to trick him he was reasoned he he convinced gertie that it would be helping sam to let him outside and fix the leak right once and gertie gertie's programming doesn't allow him to not help sam his programming was to not let him under any circumstances i'm not to let you out under any circumstances and then he was reasoned with, or he was even Correct. tricked. Because if you think about like RoboCop, right? What's his prime directives? What is Gertie's prime directive is to help Sam. It, that overrides yeah. the programming of Robo- whatever the company says. Once, RoboCop, once again, you're getting into AI. You're getting into actually some kind of intelligence. So I, I have a, I see a consistency gap. With sure, Gertie. he's artificial I, in, intelligence, buddy, but he's not, he's not sentient. I'm just, Do you know what I'm saying? He's not Terminator. I'm just saying. At that point, I think you have a gap. All right. Then t- so that's one issue. Two, um, technology-wise, Gertie's like, oh, I've been recording everything that's happened. And unless you erase my data, once again, going against his programming, I would say. Um, that's not going against his programming because he's helping Sam. But anyway, so they're going to know. So, all right, fine. Even if you run with that, you're telling me a company that can do all this, a company that can create clones and everything else, isn't monitoring on another level other than Gertie. Um, I find they probably that, would never have suspected the need to. Well, I'm just saying, big consistency gap for me, man. Huge, huge, huge. Um, well, I think you know, just like everyone else, hubris is is what takes everyone down, right? Right, and don't get me wrong, and it makes kind of a cool little end to the the, the little guy gets the big guy story. But uh, um, I just find some serious uh, consistency gaps with even how I would do it. You know, <laughs> well, you've so, seen the movie, and you've seen enough movies to know that, of course, it could come back and bite you. But right, if you think well, about that... the cost that would come with monitoring the entire station like that, when you figure you've got enough money into yeah. Gertie, and you know it's. Yeah, remember, overeducated people aren't always intelligent. It's the same with, uh, I would say it's the same with uh, communications, man. You're sending videos back and forth. You're communicating live with Gertie. Why can't you just tap into a live feed for cameras? That's just, but that's me. I'm saying there's some, don't get me wrong. This movie was not made to get every little technical aspect of a true mission happening on the moon. I think, I think this movie is there for a lot more reasons. One, for... For just the artistry of it, you know, just for the uh, 
uh, just for what they did do with it. I think it was really great. I think it raises some awesome ethical questions. I think it raises some really good uh, spiritual ones. I think it raises uh, um, just some good, just uh, even uh, dealing with the human psyche or uh, the dichotomy or trichotomy of a person, if you want to get down to the nitty gritty of uh, of a being. Um, so maybe it wasn't meant to be like, all right, we're going to make this as if it is an actual true reality and this is the way it will unfold when it is true. I don't think that was the purpose of the film. I'm just saying I think it brings some consistency issues that, I mean, if you're looking at it, you're like, you know, why are they doing that? Why did they do that? Well, they that, that'd be easy to combat it if they just did that, you know. But yeah, uh, I think you're nitpicking but, but, I think on a $5 million budget, I think the consistency issues they have, even i.e. the age of the daughter, that'd be a consistency issue. This is the seventh Sam that's woken up, and they all have three years. Well, you're assuming that they all lived three years. Well, and you're assuming that Gertie isn't AI. I, well... I'm just... (laughs) Dude, if they they had true artificial intelligence, they'd have the robots up there working, which tells me that Gertie is just a program. Well, uh, I don't know. I think that I think that's the other thing you erase is I think they did have AI, but there are some things that doesn't matter. The AI can't do one just for the uh, just for the complexity human motor skills alone. But uh, I don't yeah, know. I, dude, I I think that uh, Duncan Jones is positing a near future, one where you know it's twenty thirty five. Our true artificial intelligence doesn't exist yet. Uh, nor is it even possible you know that's that's always going to be a question until it happens is is it ever even possible will you be able to have sentient life come out of a machine is and, it possible to do harvesting on the moon and take it back for the helium three uh on, on, no, a, on, a, on a scale of profitable for a company to do i say no but once again consistency issues man i think uh uh, we have the capability to make a three-day st- uh, three-day jaunt back to Earth, but uh, we don't have the ability to monitor cameras on the moon. We have the ability to harvest, put harvesters, main harvesters for helium three on the moon. We have that capability and the technology, but we can't even make Gertie and AI. I don't know, man. There's just a lot of uh, well. Um, that what I just said was though is issues. AI might not even be possible ever, no matter how much you can do on the moon. So the fact that Gertie's not an AI isn't a dig against the movie. It's the fact that it might never be able to be possible. <laughs> I, th- I think it might be a dig for consistency against the movie, but that's just me. How can it be a dig Clearly. against consistency against the movie? G- Gertie's never posited as being true artificial intelligence. They're making some huge... Right? They're making I mean, what? They're making huge assumptions that one technology is moving forward when the other isn't. No, they're not. Dude, AI might never be possible, so how is that an assumption? You can't assume that it's ever going to exist. Harvesting the moon's never going to be possible. Maybe. Okay, maybe AI will be. Right, but you can't say that it is or isn't. You can't say that the movie's inconsistent because they're agreeing with current science. Their current science would not allow us to harvest moon on a profitable margin. You just can't. Well, you can if you don't have to pay workers. I mentioned the dark side of the moon, dude. You can if you don't have to pay workers. Pay workers, okay. Well, the, even the technology to keep things going on the dark and the for how long they are there. I don't know. There's just a lot of, I see a lot of just uh, inconsistencies in it. Maybe it's just me. Maybe, tell you what, 
it's probably more my uh, ignorance on life on the moon and technology and corporation and mechanical ability than it is the movie messing up with it. They probably have a better view of that stuff than I do. And that's probably where the inconsistency is coming from. I think it was pretty well thought out. And that's, you know, I actually liked the fact that Gertie isn't artificial intelligence. Not to that mention, he he's a artificial intelligence, but he's not true artificial intelligence. You know what I mean? And once again, I think once we get to the idea of being able to clone, I don't think we'll ever. I don't know if we'll ever get to the ability to clone somebody to be like Sam. Well, that's the the other thing is too is I don't think they have the ability to clone either very well. They they can only get them to last a couple of years and then they're they're dead. Right. Wow. I don't know. Maybe that's the problem with uh, maybe maybe Gertie was an AI, but they just didn't do AI very well, and he died, and now he's just back to a programmer. Yeah, maybe <laughs> killed himself watching all these Sams die. You're you're a jerk, Adam. <laughs> anyway, so anywho, that that okay. is the movie. Uh, whether you see flaws or not, I think that I I think that there it's a more solid movie than what Adam does, obviously, but. I'm saying I'm not saying it's not a solid movie. It's a good movie. See it. I'm surprised it wasn't bigger than it was, honestly. Um, do I see some consistencies? Yes. But it goes back to that idea. You know what? We could nitpick any movie if we wanted to, you know? Sure. Um, I mean, we could absolutely tear apart anything. But we once again, we realize this is the realm of fiction. This is artistic liberties being taken. This is cinematic entertainment. And you got to put away the reality away for a while and take a little bit of indulgence. And I can do that for that movie. I'm just saying some of the inconsistencies pop out. Um, and I think some of them could have been taken care of a little bit better, I think, had they just explained it a little bit more, maybe a little bit more dialogue. Two or three more minutes of dialogue between the two Sams could have straightened a lot of this stuff out. You know what I mean? I don't know. Um, but that's just... <laughs> I don't know what you mean because I don't see them. <laughs> All right. That's cool. That's cool. Oh, this is where I wish we had a huge fan base and maybe they could, uh, uh, you know, see either side of it and maybe tell well, me I'm wrong. You, you've worked in corporate America your adult life and you understand that I totally understand why there's not more monitoring in the station. It costs money and it would cost money for upkeep. And then once you're seeing the monitoring, who's going to fix the monitoring? It would have to be Sam. So he's going to like, what am I fixing all these cameras for? Why do they have to monitor me 24-7? I think that it just raises more questions than it would answer for those people. And they could they figured they could just trust Gertie. And that when you're talking about corporate America, they're talking about doing as cheap as possible. Which is Tell why they, they put clones who are just disposable up there to begin with. They don't have any yeah. insurance policies if Sam Bell dies. They don't have to pay out his family millions of dollars if, if there's an accident. They, For all anybody knows, it's all autonomous. It's all robots up there doing the work. So they've done it. I'm, I'm, I'm they've done it cheaper you. than you know. That's oh, to me, it I, makes perfect sense. That, that does make perfect sense. That's I'm I'm, I'm agreeing with you 100 percent on that. So I don't I see it as an inconsistency. Come. They should have just told them they're like quintuplets, man, and like have them all work together. Sure, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> Multiplicity on the moon, dude. <laughs> it is kind of odd that they put all their eggs in one Sam Bell basket, right? But maybe he was like the only person on Earth who was willing to go up there for three years the first time anyways. Well, regardless, I mean, you could have cloned anybody and sent them up there with the team. I mean, they shoot, they had they had uh, people, uh, what is it, uh, uh, Eliza, the rescue team, Eliza? Yeah, the rescue squad. Eliza came there. Shoot, Eliza could have dropped off four or five different clones and activated them all at the same time. 
You know the other I mean? thing they don't mention, too, that I would be very curious about is the moon's a big place. How many stations were there up there? Right. 10, 20? How many sandbells were there, really? Hundreds? Thousands? Oh, yeah. I, I think they alluded to that. I, when they first went out in the in the harvesters or the little moon uh, crawlers or whatever, mm-hmm. I thought that's what they were going to find. They are going to find another base with another sand there. That's what I thought at first. Um, I was surprised all they found were jammers, but like you said, maybe in the bigger universe of Moon, whoever the writers were, maybe that's exactly what they were, and they could only tackle one base, one issue at a time. So I thought it was really, I think the concept is great. I think it was really, really good. Um, um, yeah, do I see some technical in, uh, inconsistencies through my eyes? Sure. Am I wrong? Probably 90%. I'm probably wrong, but... Well, you know, if we do have any listeners out there who are listening to this, please do us a favor. Email us, podcast at gmail.com, and let's discuss it. You know, what what do you think is really going on? Or just more importantly, just tell me how right I am. <laughs> or better yet, tell Adam how wrong he is. Well, I didn't want to be mean about it. <laughs> That's why it'd be better. <laughs> you, don't want to be, you don't want to be self-indulgent. <laughs> well, maybe I do. <laughs> yeah. But no, all in all, what? Okay, so are we at the rating of this movie portion? Sure, yet? let's get I'm, to the rating. All right, want you once again? Want you go first this week, man? I think overall, as far as like the canon of movies go, I think this is a definite watch. I think you watch this movie, and I think that I would probably give it around like seven point five. Seven point five, and that's a pretty good score for you. I mean, that's 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 pretty flattering. Yeah, um, you know, it's not like going to be going down in like the hall of fame of for movies of the best ever made. But for a $5 million movie, you know, I watch a lot of $5 million movies, right? None of them are this good. Right. None of them are this good. So Um, tell you what, um, and we talk about inconsistencies, right? There are some things they did very consistently right in this film. Even the harvesters, right? I are believable to me. Um, Sure. uh, They look like they would be, a feasible piece of technology. They didn't look too modern or too futuristic for the time they had it in. Um, would it be a logistical nightmare to get something like that up there and put it together? Absolutely. But could it be done with enough money? Sure. You know, um, power is, um, viable power is a big monster for money making. Um, so, I mean, you gave it 7.5. I give this a 7. Okay. Um, for one, like you said, five million bucks, holy junk. Who makes a movie like this for five million dollars, really? I'm wondering if like they got thrown a lot of bones in this film. Like some people did it, you know, some some leading maybe experts gave them a cut rate deal or I don't know, but it seems almost impossible for what they did. You look at the spacesuits, you look at sure. um you look at where they were at, whoever built that set did a great job because it wasn't a CG set. It was well, a usually set. In a movie, right, most of the budget goes to the actors. Okay. You know? Uh, I didn't see, know that. Captain America Civil War had a budget of, like, what, $200 million? Okay. 100 of that went to the actors. 70 wow. went to Robert Downey Jr., you know? Wow. Yeah. So, uh, movies like this, the way they cut a lot of these costs is they don't pay the actors anything. Well... Um, well, yeah, even so, five million bucks, it seems like they did a phenomenal piece and they did some good stuff consistency wise. Uh, the, even the, 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 the physics of the rock being thrown by the harvester looked like that's what would happen on the moon. You know what I mean? 
So not only did they do wow consistency, just the visual effects with through, through the eye were really really good. Yeah. Um, so I give it yeah I give it a seven. Um, the only reason I don't give it a higher score probably is just because it is more of an independent indie, not in my realm of like truly truly enjoying. Did I enjoy it? Absolutely. Was it a enjoyable like uh, Braveheart? No. So, uh, but it was really good. Like I said, I don't know how this didn't become a bigger film than it was. Uh, because of its size. Probably size and probably because of the low budget. Because a lot of budget does go towards marketing. Well, it's- they don't ever put that in the budget. So, like I said, if Captain America Civil War cost $200 million, they spent $200 million additional, right, budgeting or budgeted for marketing. So, whenever you see a film's budget, double whatever that number is, and that's what they actually paid. I wonder why they don't do that. Well, because they don't want you to know. Right. They don't want you to know that dirty little secret that that's how much it costs. I wonder why. You know, like, how can you pay Charlie Sheen, or how could you pay the cast of Big Bang Theory a million dollars an episode, right, for each of those main actors? How could you do that? Well, because they're making $14 million an episode in sheer revenue. Just Mm -hmm. in advertising revenue. That's how much it costs to advertise, and it's... Insane. Oh, you mean for people that advertise during or in their show? Correct. Gotcha. Okay. And then, then you're, if you're talking about a show like Big Bang Theory or like Two and a Half Man shows that go beyond 100 episodes, now you're talking about syndication. So they're they're actually probably grossing more like $25 million an episode when you look right. about the future money. I've, yeah, I've never really looked at the budgeting for films or whatnot. I mean, I might look at what uh, film costs. I realize this was a $5 million film, but... Uh... Um, I've never really looked outside of what actors get paid, how much marketing is, what does it cost, you know. What do you pay for a key grip, you know? Shoot, how much do the special effects people make? Do they? Well, that's all in the so, actual budget. Right, I get it. I'm just saying, I just never looked at it. I'm like, oh, wow, $200 million. Oh, well, okay. That's a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I've never stopped and looked like, oh, like, who got what, what went to what, how much. Because you see in the credits, like, there's usually on every movie there's a catering gig, right? Sure. Somebody caters to the film. I'm like, man, how much would that cost just to cater, you know, for, what, seven months for the average movie to be made? Uh, seven, no, I don't think movies take that long. We're talking weeks usually in a movie. Probably seven to 12 weeks. What? On big movies? To for, shoot movies? Yeah, probably. Wow. I figure some movies are like, maybe it's just from 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 shoot to edit, maybe that's a year. Yes. Maybe an actual on scene isn't as long as I think it is. Okay. Huh. It'd be so fun to be on a movie film. So, so here we go. Most Hollywood would... movies take about 45 to 60 days. So, oh, so three months. Max. For yeah. The most. All right. But then, then, you got, then you're talking then you got about... freaks of nature like James Cameron who've been shooting film for the last <laughs> five years. Sure. <laughs> or like Mad Max Fury Road, which took a legendarily long time. Right. Or you've got... The Lord of the Rings trilogy, which they filmed in succession, they filmed for eighteen months. Oh, that'd be a long eighteen months. And then they had to come back and do reshoots. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. Oh, and then you got uh, Boyhood, which I think was a Richard Linklater movie. No, that's not right, is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was the, Richard Linklater. Heard, he filmed that movie for twelve years. I heard the Truman Show got filmed for like thirty-five years, man. What's that? The Truman Show was filmed for like yeah. 35 years. <laughs> that was probably actually filmed in about four weeks. <laughs> that was a good movie, though. Anyways, so, you know, 
those are our thoughts on Moon and other things. <laughs> yes. And if honestly, if you're listening to this, we'd like to hear your thoughts. We'd like to know just how off base we really are, or just like you know, <laughs> if you if you enjoyed the movie too, that'd be great. Just shoot us a message yeah. uh, at po underscore ed podcast. You know, at on Twitter and po podcast at gmail dot com. We'd uh, love to hear from you. And you also signed us up for a Facebook page, correct? Yeah, you can find us on Facebook. You know, just we search. have one like so far, and I believe it's me. There you go. <laughs> Find us on Facebook. Uh, just search out PO'd Podcast, and we're there. And, uh, yeah, we're, we just love talking about movies. We love movies, but we're also kind of uh, PO'd at the movies, right? Yeah, from time to time. Sometimes it's their inconsistencies that nobody else sees. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mostly PO'd at movies because they're not as good as TV. I'm mostly PO'd at movies because I don't get to see them as often as I want That's to. That's true. <laughs> I, I don't watch movies nearly as often as I used to. Nothing else ticks me off more when I do have time and I watch one. I'm like, crap, I could watch something better. <laughs> you know, that has uh, happened to me recently. So, uh, uh, MacGyver. Mm. <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, uh, that was a good discussion. Uh, I'm glad we talked about this movie. It's a good movie. I'm glad you picked a good one. Thank you for that. I enjoyed it. And next week, we will be back with our uh, Halloween fancies all on display, right? And we're going to talk about some horror films and some spooky stuff, right? Yeah, the horror category or genre. And that's horror, not horror. We're not watching Pretty Woman. I said horror. (laughs) Horror. 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 I guess I do say that last part of horror really lowly. Most people do, and I usually say with a W or an H. Hey, I've noted. Uh, we'll talk about it later. But yeah, next uh, next PO podcast we go through our horror genre, horror, horror, <laughs> scary movie genre. Oh, hilarious! Literally. All right, buddy. <laughs> we will see you next time. And I am Joe. I'm Adam. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. Peace out. Hey, Michael Bay. Hey, Michael Bay. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.